In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. And welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. This is the first podcast of 2024. Um, some kind of 12 years since I started doing this, and it's, it's going to be a slightly different one today. Um, I've I've not done a podcast for about a, a month or so. Generally, um, kind of health and stuff, and uh, a, a bunch of other things have uh, kind of in, intervened. But you know, don't don't worry about me. Um, I, I want to kind of address something, really, uh, an error of mine, I would say, an error of judgment uh, on the current situation in Gaza. Um, I've I've always kind of maintained a policy on, on the podcast, uh, not that I would shy away from things that are happening right now. Um, of course, you know, in, in the past, looking at Ukraine and the various kind of criminal antics of British prime ministers, I've, I've, I've held forth on a, a, a number of topics. I didn't talk about Gaza, um, and I didn't talk about Gaza for a particular reason. And it was a kind of sense of, of, of stepping back because I believed that there were better commentators out there to talk about what was happening. And that, that was an error. Um, of course, there are much, much uh, better commentators out there to talk about what's happening. But I, I believe that a, a certain point comes when you have a, a podcast like this, it's listened to around the world, you know, not wanting to kind of brag or anything, but it is listened to internationally. And I've talked about the uh, Arab-Israeli conflicts uh, throughout the 20th century many, many times. I've talked about the history of Jewish people uh, in various different contexts, from the Holocaust to various Jewish diasporas. Um, I've talked about human rights. I've talked about Western imperialism. Um, I've talked about uh, the meddling of uh, various great powers 
from the British to the Americans to the Soviets in, in the Middle East. You know, I've talked about all of these things over the past 12 years. And so I can't not address what is happening at the moment. Uh, and it's, it, you know, the, it, it, this is late in the day for me, and I apologise for that. But it's also um, a, a situation that is, is constantly changing uh, and is, is perhaps... Um, perhaps going to produce some uh, kind of, uh, shall we say, unexpected uh, results. Firstly, to for the avoidance of doubt, let's get a few things out of the way of, you know, the uh, this will polarise many of the people that listen to this podcast uh, in a number of different ways. Of course, it goes without saying that the attack on October the 7th uh, by Hamas uh, on Israeli citizens uh, and obviously on the Israeli Defence Force was uh, a, a dreadful crime. Um, and it was one where I believe it was intended to produce, much as 9-11 was intended to produce the response that bin Laden had wanted and you know, it's what he got, this was intended to do exactly the same thing. Hamas is obviously an Iranian backed uh, militia that has uh, been um, the ruling power in Gaza, not in the West Bank but in Gaza um, for the last 16 years at least and the Iranians had an interest in destabilising um, Israel um, the fear uh, on the part of Iran was that America, um, America's long-term uh, diplomatic kind of manoeuvring in, in the Middle East to bring a kind of an accord between Saudi Arabia and Israel, to the two and the rest of the Gulf states, the the main um, American client states in the Middle East, would create a power block that would. Um, place around once again a very difficult position in terms of sanctions and, 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 and that sort of thing so this is a play by Iran um, it's important to recognise that neither Iran nor Hamas care one jot about the fate of the Palestinian people um, a, a um, well, even the simplest analysis would 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 have concluded the the day before uh, October seventh that mass casualties as Israel would respond with extraordinary brutality. One only has to look back uh, at uh, the, the 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 track record of Israel towards Palestinian Arabs and other Arabic peoples since nineteen forty eight to know that they would have no qualms about mass civilian casualties and, and that has, has uh, been shown um, so that's, that's, that's one point it is also hardly a conspiracy theory this has been reported in Haaretz the, the kind of the Israel's liberal newspaper um, and uh, the uh, various kind of centre-right newspapers that um, Benjamin Netanyahu had a long-term policy of actually encouraging Hamas. Why? Because the um, the the real party that uh, offered the possibility of a uh, viable Palestinian state was was Fatah, um, formerly led 
by Yasser Arafat, who were a throughout most of the post-war period a largely secular um, national liberation organisation. Um, the the likes of you know a, a, akin to various national liberation movements around the world, uh, and these weren't uh, Islamic fundamentalists. They were people who wanted to create a viable Palestinian state. This is something that even the supposedly moderate parties in Israel, um, if you look at parties like Likud, for example, the uh, Israeli equivalent of the British Labour Party. Um, even moderate parties in Israel have been um, committed to preventing. So it was partly uh, Netanyahu's policy to allow flows of money from uh, donors in the Gulf states um, to Hamas because firstly it creates um, a kind of scary demonic sort of enemy, the kinds of people that wear black balaclavas and wave AK-47s around. Um, that uh, uh, And also, it gave justification for the idea that uh, Israel cannot make peace with uh, these sorts of individuals because they simply want to uh, destroy the state of Israel and wipe uh, the uh, all, all remnants of it uh, from the Middle East. Um, and so it results in in this kind of incubating this kind of monstrous organisation uh, in in Gaza. Um, the so yeah, I, I, the um, the reality is is that uh, a, a monstrous organisation does exist, um, largely without the the kind of the, the um, widespread popular appeal within within Gaza. Um, countless reports of Gazan Palestinians um, living under a sort of like a, a police state-like regime under um, under Hamas. The reality, of course, is that um, Fatah itself is hugely corrupt um, and seen as being uh, under Mahmoud Abbas, seen as being incapable of doing anything at all for the Palestinians. And so you have uh, people within Gaza who've been under siege for 16 years, whose access literally to calories is restricted uh, through checkpoints, who unsurprisingly, having nowhere else to turn, do support people who have uh, violent aims towards um, the people on the other side of the fence who are pointing, uh, pointing guns from sentry points at them. The the thing about the uh, October the seventh attack is that it all evidence and looks like it was planned for at at least a year. No doubt there were uh, Israeli intelligence failings. That is uh, entirely possible. Um, uh, I don't believe that um, the the kind of the, the more conspiratorial ideas that this is something that Israeli politicians allowed to happen. I, I don't I don't believe that. I think if you, even if you had one individual within the regime that said, "Oh, you know, let's let's let this atrocity happen, and that will give us give us a casus belli to annihilate the Palestinians," there are countless sort of uh, administrators and intelligence officers and military planners all the way down, and at least one of them would no doubt have said, "Well, come on, this is crazy. You you can't just allow." 
you know a thousand plus civilians uh, to to die like this and so yeah i don't i don't find that convincing what i i do imagine is that a, a lot of the faith that israel placed in its border wall its tech solutions uh, are kind of there are echoes of countless other examples of people placing faith in these sort of tech solutions to deal with the the very human anger and resentment and hatred and bitterness and rage that is the product of decades upon decades of occupation and colonial oppression. The in 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 many ways, if you look at what's happening to the Palestinians and what is happening to um, to the Israelis. Um, the the kind of the, the, the beneficiary of all of this temporarily is the United States. The United States has its um, client state in the Middle East. The United States um, uh, gives it Israel and has always given Israel via um, diplomacy through the UN you know, vetoing uh, United Nations Security Council resolutions, um, uh, giving um, huge subsidised arms sales to to Israel, um, and shipping weapons to Israel in its time of need. For example, in in nineteen seventy three, um, America creates the situation where Israel is able to act with impunity, which might be something that would be attractive to someone like Benjamin Netanyahu but it's really a really huge disservice to Israeli citizens um, to allow and encourage and create greater levels of, of kind of radicalization at the top and of course the radicalization within the Israeli government is partly the product of Netanyahu having to or choosing to bring into his coalition um, the uh, the representatives of the settlers in the West Bank um, people who uh, are um, uh, absolutely convinced of their uh, their right which is a flagrant a breach of international law which has been established all the way since 1967 um, that uh, they, they have a right to settle on the uh, the lands that uh, are currently occupied by Palestinians if one looks at the map of the the West Bank and what has changed since 1967 there is kind of almost no meaningful um, uh, kind of stretch of uh, Palestinian occupied land there anymore it is simply this kind of pockmarked um, kind of morass of uh, settlers settlements and roads what this does what what that does is it results in there being no viable two-state solution um, the the largest section of uh, formerly Palestinian lands is the West Bank if you settle on there and moving the set, moving the heavily armed settlers out is uh, one would have to employ the Israeli Defence Force in order to do that is a recipe almost for, for, for civil war there is there's no way that is achievable without tearing Israel apart when you have Western politicians in the White House and in 10 Downing Street and uh, 
leader of the opposition, Sir Keir Starmer, saying that they believe in a two-state solution, um, they know, well, either they are so wildly unqualified to comment as they, they should, you know, recuse themselves from the conversation for all time, or they know they're saying something that's completely impossible. You know, uh, I believe in this fantastical situation where, uh, you know, uh, oil and water are kind of magically separated, and that's how that's that's the thing we're holding out for. Well, this is this is a nonsense, and it gives cover to Israel to perpetrate its crimes. And by crimes, um, by recent estimates, we're looking at something like in the order of thirty thousand deaths, of whom uh, a little over ten thousand, perhaps twelve. The numbers are kind of are shifting because people are being murdered every day. Um, perhaps twelve or thirteen thousand are children. Um, and there are something like about 7,000 bodies under the rubble of Gaza that uh, will probably never be identified. Gazans are beginning to starve. There is um, no food there. Food has, um, there are, there's no clean drinking water. Um, the um, conditions for communicable diseases to rip through the population are, are rife. And no serious military thinker believes that this will bring Israel any peace at all. Israel has, in fact, suffered one or two quite alarming defeats. Um, a, a recent triple ambush uh, by Hamas of Israeli soldiers, um, uh, killing some quite senior officers, uh, indicates that Hamas are still ready to fight. Uh, every successive uh, repression of the Palestinian people since well, since 1948 has led to fresh waves of young men, mainly not exclusively men, but mainly young men, picking up weapons and joining the fight for the next uh, the the next uprising, the the, the next attack. Um, so none of this will in any meaningful way bring Israel any security. But it's going to harm Israel in another way as well. Israel has been able in the post-war era to present itself as um, the, the only democracy in the Middle East. Um, it has been able to present itself as the state that was born from the, the Holocaust. There are elements of truth to both of these claims. It's been able to present itself as a Western ally, and it's been able to present itself as, particularly as a, an ally to uh, NATO, not a member of NATO, but an ally to the kind of NATO powers during the, the Cold War. Um, it's been benefited from um, some excellent public relations. It has been um, been able to diplomatically um, and in soft power terms punch above its weight successfully um, for decades. And this, I confidently predict, for much of the world is over. The reason why is we are looking at a genocide 
it, the, 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 where the, the, the claim of genocide is currently being debated at the International Court of Justice uh, in The Hague. If you, if you really want to get an amazing, amazing um, contemporaneous write-up on what is happening in the court, Craig Murray, uh, former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, um, and um, a friend of Julian Assange and kind of campaigner for uh, radical causes, um, various, is currently writing on a daily basis from in the court. Um, he's a, a, an excellent uh, kind of reporter um, and some really, really kind of interesting home truths are, are being presented there. Of course, the South African government has long kind of post-apartheid emotional ties to the issue of Palestine. Nelson Mandela, Palestine was very, very close to his heart and he said essentially that um, nobody was free until Palestine was free. I paraphrase, anyway. Um, South Africa are leading the um, leading a huge part of non-Western world opinion. People who live in Western countries, myself included, very often fail to acknowledge that the the world view that we the normative world view that we share about things is very often not shared in large parts of Africa, Asia, South America, um, places that have experienced European colonialism up close. The charge of genocide is being. Um, uh, put before the court, there is abundant evidence um, all the way from Netanyahu invoking uh, Amalek, um, a um, a moment in um, Judean so Hebrew history um, where the uh, attackers of Judea are wiped off the face of the earth uh, and their uh, civilians massacred and their fields planted with salt and all that kind of stuff from that sort of thing to the the you know the the daily live televisation of the massacre of civilians hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Most of the um, genocide heirs of the 20th century and the mass killers of the 20th century, uh, and I make that distinction because there are certain things, such as, for example, Mao's famines, which killed probably more than nearly most of the genocides of the 20th century put together, that are legalistically not considered to be genocides, but um, it, they are appalling mass atrocities beyond beyond our ability to imagine. Most of those uh, individuals, from Cambodia's Killing Fields uh, through to the Srebrenica massacre, try to keep it quiet. They don't do these things in the glare of world opinion. The, um, the, 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 what we see in Gaza at the moment is really quite exceptional. It really stands out as something quite, quite different. It is a genocide in real time. And if you look at the the legalistic definitions of genocide, the uh, you know ma- mass killing, the the intent to level civilian populations, the intent to remove civilians from uh, from the land on which they they inhabited, um, there is always rhetoric about you know taking the entirety of the Palestinian population and dumping them in tent cities in the middle of the Sinai Desert. This is the language of genocide. It's popularly assumed that a genocide truly is the annihilation, the, the complete and utter annihilation of an entire people. And it's not quite, the definition of genocide is not quite as uh, as simple as that. Um, there are all sorts of ways in which, uh, you know, genocides can be, can be perpetrated from the erasure of, of a culture um, all the way through to mass killing. Um, of course, you know, if, if one thinks of the genocide that was the, the Holocaust, you know, had the Holocaust continued, yes, probably all of Europe's Jews would have been murdered. Um, however, um, those that survived, we don't simply discount the Holocaust and say it wasn't a genocide because, oh, look, there were some who uh, who, who escaped or got away or, or survived the camps. A rather obvious point, but something sometimes wor- worth making. So a genocide is happening in real time and the British and the American governments and the German government um, still um, kind of trying in its own uh, uh, way to deal with its own um, Holocaust guilt by greenlighting somebody else's genocide uh, and a variety of other European governments are um, giving it a free pass if not in the case of America actively assisting. There are some interesting um, open source intelligence um, blogs out there that show the flights of uh, signals intelligence aircraft um, from Cyprus, from British bases in Cyprus, to um, across the Mediterranean, to the coast of Gaza and back again. What they're doing, I don't know. Um, but one can take a wild, wild guess at how they are currently assisting the Israeli Defence Force. The Israeli Defence Force also has its own kind of media outriders in um, and sort of celebrity influencers uh, around the world. 
right at the very beginning of uh, the mass killing of uh, Palestinians in the weeks after uh, uh, October the 7th uh, there's a very kind of ill-advised uh, letter of uh, support from dozens of Hollywood celebrities who've now gone suspiciously quiet on the subject uh, was, was was circulated so there is a this this kind of soft power which is is currently being squandered and it is also a a western soft power western uh, rhetoric on human rights um long thought to be a sort of a joke um is is being revealed as as being such um human rights are something to berate chinese premiers with um uh, on the issue of tibet or, or the uyghur people they are something to be ignored when hosting the israeli prime minister at 10 downing street or at the white house or the king of saudi arabia or take your pick these are things that were established for very good reason as the basis of international law after the Second World War, which are now used as political footballs. They're now used in the most kind of insincere and um, kind of fickle of ways. And I'm not suggesting here for a moment that there's anything wrong with uh, the principle of human rights. It's one of the, the few things that have kind of emerged uh, from the Second World War, which um, I, you, you gave one cause for sort of optimism in the world. But their application, the idea that, that there isn't universality, that for some peoples in some parts of the world, particularly Palestinians, that they don't apply and the rights that Palestinian children have to life are you know to be largely ignored this is something that kind of brings um, Western uh, governments and Western society as if you can think of such a thing to kind of new levels of, of kind of cynicism um, I mean part of the part of the way in which kind of the the, the entire issue was um sort of obscured and and, and, and complicated um and a, a a very sort of a regular kind of uh line which i think was obviously being circulated um on mass by somebody somewhere was to tell uh, and this was this was said in sort of um in news studios up and down the land that the whole issue is very very complicated Sure. Well, the, the there is a contradiction here. We were encouraged to see the massacres of October the 7th, hideous as they were, out with any kind of historical context. OK, so you can, um, you know, the, the, the massacres just appeared out of the blue and there, there wasn't 75 years of context there. OK, and this, there certainly is 75 years of context there not to justify them but there is there is always context this is the whole point of this podcast i should that's what i perhaps i should have the tagline there is always context um and now a secondary argument of the those supporting the massacres in uh, in uh, gaza is ah well it's complicated okay oh you know there, there is a long complicated history that we sort of can't understand 
the first point you know encourages to think of, the, of there being no history whatsoever that these you know that um, these Hamas uh, militiamen popped out of a hole in the ground the second point says well there is a kind of story but it's too complicated for anyone to understand and, it, and can we just kind of look at things in terms of good and bad civilization and barbarity um, the uh, idea that is propagated sometimes is that were it not for uh, Israel Israel is sort of like you know whole, holding back um, the, the horde if you will um, and that uh, bar- barbarity kind of um, begins at, at sort of Israel's borders, and um, you know Israel is some sort of kind of uh, gatekeeper. Well, that argument um, is obviously a nonsense, and we can see barbarity right now as we look at the uh, images of uh, children children's bodies in morgues um, and we hear stories of incubators being switched off that kind of thing um, there was a thing that was written by uh, Mike Davis I didn't really understand at the time Mike Davis if you um, are interested in his works is uh, he died the other year he's a, a brilliant brilliant guy he was a kind of radical urban geographer um, and uh, socialist and he said well in the 21st century we will be f- it'll be at some point we'll be fighting uh, the oppressors hand to hand as if it, as if we were in the rubbles of Stalingrad and I I didn't quite understand what he meant but in a 21st century where there is unfortunately likely to be less of everything uh, as uh, the, the climate crisis takes its toll where internationalism has crumbled and borders are being erected around the world with big keep out signs on them where the 1% who rulers um siphon off vast amounts of wealth upwards where transformative technologies leave high streets barren and communities collapsing and where client states of the world's most powerful entities and the world's most powerful uh, empires are able to act with impunity perhaps the rubble that Mike Davis was talking about or the first ruins that Mike Davis is talking about are the ruins of Gaza and it doesn't augur well for what comes next but you know the fact that Hamas a dangerous reactionary bloodthirsty and entirely monstrous organisation hasn't been defeated um, that gives me no comfort it gives me no comfort that somehow the Palestinian people will em- emerge from all of this um, and the the, for- and, and the the forces of the righteous will win, well you know we're talking about history here not Star Wars aren't we, the forces of the righteous um, are, uh, are almost always on history's losing side but 
the the fact of the matter is that I don't think Israel will win. I don't think Israel can win. I think that the ability to produce more and more hate and anger um, will eventually bring so many new militants to the fight and so uh, so many generations of, um, of, of fighters to um, oppose Israel that um, an Israel's soft power will be gradually eroded, wiped away, perhaps never to return. Uh, Israel's international standing will perhaps never recover um, and perhaps in some ways it doesn't deserve to. Um, and Israel will, f the Israeli population, who I suspect are not looking for a long war, they've had a, a, a terrible shock and long, long memories of persecution uh, and of the Holocaust and of uh, the way that Jewish people have historically been treated uh, um, have, and have, have been triggered with this kind of a, attack on the, the kind of the, a, a place that has been seen by diaspora and non-diaspora Jews as the, the, as, as the, the fortress really that, that protects Jewish people from their enemies around the world and the threat of further persecution. The fact that that has been um, threatened and shown to be weaker than anyone thought um, will ha has triggered um, many Jewish people within Israel, many Israeli Jews, to want to um, to fight back and to and but the reality of that fight now is genocide uh, and the ability for uh, Israel to talk about its uh, its origins, its roots, its um, it's persecuted the persecution of the Jews through things such as like the Yad Vashem Museum and Memorial have been forever compromised. You know what um, Israeli statesmen can meaningfully talk about genocide now without n understanding that most of the world sees it as a perpetrator of genocide and not a victim of it. Okay. So that was a bit of a bit of a rambling one, and I I rarely do podcast episodes like this, but here we are, you know, um, when the circumstances necessitated, I I have to say again where I'm at with all of this, um, and it's you know I I give my sincerest apologies for not doing this earlier. I really do. We're back to normal service um, next week, um, and we've got some great interviews coming up in in the near future, and we'll be returning to a little bit. We've had such, such a glut of amazing people. If you haven't listened to some of the the interviews that I did last year, really check them out. You know, I'm I'm not speaking for my own benefits, but I had I was privileged with some amazing people. Have a listen. Um, but we're going to be doing some more standard kinds of uh, podcasts where we look at different ideas that different writers have come up with and uh, that, that kind of thing in 2024. And maybe I'll do something else like this as well. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. And wherever you are, all the very best. And uh, I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.